Connection. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Mom Space, a place where mom friends meet to talk authentically about motherhood, faith, and everything in between. I'm Danielle. I'm Sarah. And I'm Steph. Come have a drink with us as we talk about the beauty and the breakdown of Catholic motherhood. Cheers. Cheers. All right, let's uh, talk about our highs and lows for the week. Um, I can go first. So I'm a music therapist and I've started doing these outdoor music classes in Knoxville, but I'm basically starting from scratch and it's been really frustrating. But today I had a huge turnout. I had so many donations um, and it was just really refreshing. And all I did was I made a, a shift in my thinking and changed the time of day to like, instead of being at 11, I moved it to 10. So it was earlier in the morning. Um, so even that little shift for me gave me some just kind of validation and that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. So that was definitely a high to feel validated in that. Um, and my low is bedtime. Bedtime in our house has been absolute H-E double hockey sticks, like just awful. Like there's no other way to really describe it. Three boys, five, three, and almost a year trying to get them all to rest and sleep at the same time or like Connor's not really the baby is not really even he doesn't have a bedtime because I don't have time to train him like I don't don't have time to train him to sleep um as everybody else is so yeah bedtime is a whole thing everybody keeps getting in and out of bed and it's super frustrating uh but yeah that's a low for me for sure. Hard to see on the other side. So All right. This is so important. Yes, it's so important. All right, Sarah, girl. What's your high? Um, high low. So I would be Amelia, Amelia Surrey, and then I have a four and a half month old. And Amelia hated the car seat. And so I felt super trapped at home. And then the pandemic happened. Now I was literally trapped at home. Uh, I took Eleanor shopping for like hours, and she did so good. And I cried on the way home because I was so happy to have like a sense of freedom and not feel stuck. And it was really lovely to have that time and buy things that I didn't need. Um, but my low is my three-year-old. I mean, she like turned three and then learned what sass was and attitude. And I've spent all day long with her today because my car broke and all my fun activities I had planned. I literally just feel so unworthy to stay at home with them on days like this because I genuinely can't stand it. And it just makes me feel awful like i should be able to do it um, which we'll we'll get into in this podcast but that's definitely my low is the sass and the attitude yeah that's constantly 
It's constant, yeah. For sure. I think my high this week was, well, number one, I got a promotion at work. So I work as a financial advisor and got moved up to the next level. So that is very exciting. And also my almost two-year-old got his COVID vaccine, which feels like the light at the end of a very, very long tunnel. So that was exciting. We're going back to work soon. Everything's opening up. So my low is probably two part. Number one, we went to mass, which that's not the low in itself. I felt very good there. I got to go actually experience communion again, which was amazing, but it was my first toddler mass and he is two. And he, as sweet Danielle said, laid prostrate before the Lord. And by that, I mean, he threw a big fit in the aisle and laid face down for most of mass. So that was interesting. We're also going through some fertility struggle. So um, we're waiting on some test results to see what needs to be our next move. And that is as trying to be a growing family and trying to keep positive, but also there's some like negativity creeping up in me there because that seems like I can accomplish everything else in my life. So why can't I accomplish this? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's hard. It's definitely a challenge. Um, thank you, Steph. Especially when you know you can do it. You've done it. Right. Yep. Made a really cute one. Just you sure did. Control all okay. paste. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So we are here um to tell our stories today um and i say tell our stories and that seems really large and (laughs) inconspicuous and just daunting but i kind of tried to narrow it in a little as much as i could because i want to hear um i want to hear our backgrounds a little bit and how we came into the church i want to hear about um catholic motherhood for you and i just i really want to get to know you on these these two main levels um and share with our audience of two listeners um (laughs) our husbands and moms oh we have three um (laughs) so um I am going to just roll the dice here and have Sarah tell her story first. Um, And I'm just going to let you take it away. And I'm not even going to time you. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to hold up the three-minute countdown. I'm a teacher, so (laughs) I have this in my back. Um, (laughs) yeah awesome I will go first um and they all know this the Enneagram one of the group I got my notes and ready to go so do this um so I actually grew up Methodist I was a children's Methodist minister for three years and um in 2014 I got dumped by the guy that I thought I was going to marry and was like super heartbroken and decided 
to go to grad school and move to Kentucky to do that. Um, and I decided to go to a Methodist seminary because I thought that'd be a great way to find some healing, like at a seminary, like spiritual um, direction would be great. And it was, but I also like in the back of my mind thought it would be really awesome to be like a Methodist, good old Methodist boy. And one else would be a minister. Um, Asbury actually has an unofficial slogan that says, uh, the odds are good, but the goods are odd. And that is a hundred percent accurate. Uh, no, no shame on Asbury. I mean, I did date a couple of them, but it's very true. Um, jokes on me. Uh, two years into grad school, I was sitting in my John Wesley theology class, and I got on a dating app because I was super bored. And I met this good old Catholic boy named Sean, um, and. It wasn't love at first sight, but it was definitely spark at first sight. And we kind of both knew pretty quickly that we were in it to win it. Um, and within this, it was really important to me um, that um, growing up Methodist, I feel like I heard a lot of stereotypes Catholics. Um, they don't really have a relationships with Jesus. They don't really have that intimacy. Um, it's really just um, procedure. Um, and it was actually one of our, one of our dates that felt like it was like the pinnacle, like it either is going to go one way or the other. Um, and I asked him about his relationship with the Lord and was really comforted by it. Obviously I married him. Um, and within this conversation, it came up that there was no pressure for me to join the Catholic Church at all. Uh, he was fine with me staying Methodist and keeping that part of my faith life. Um, but he vowed to raise his kids Catholic, um, and that was kind of a non-negotiable. Um, and for me, that really, that richness, um, that devotion really drew me in. Um, and I didn't really want our kids to see me not being able to take Eucharist and like explain that. And uh, I just wanted to be able to, as a family, to like worship the Lord um, together. And so after we got married, because I didn't want to not be able to take communion at my wedding. So we got married in that outdoor venue. Um, so after we got married, I, I joined the Catholic Church. And he was my sponsor, so I met it. Cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but be becoming Catholic has, you know, added so much richness to my parenting and to my life. Um, especially uh, in recent years. Um, we had our first daughter in 2019, and then when she was a year old on her birthday, uh, we had our first miscarriage. And then we had two more miscarriages after that. And, um, you know, motherhood stuff, which we were just talking with Steph, like it, it hurts when you know you can do it and when you can have a baby and, and you know that you have a really cute one, like why can't you do it again? Um, I mean, it feels, it feels like failure. Um, and that's a really hard thing, especially when you've like made this vow with your spouse before the Lord to be parents and then just not be able to do it. Um, and so there was just a lot of uh, insecurity in this year 
Um, I mean, motherhood has been something that I have wanted since the genesis of my prayer life, and it just felt like I couldn't continue to do it. Um, And I found a lot of comfort in the saints, and I found a lot of comfort in Mary, um, which is also another uh, misconception, I think, of the Catholic Church, is we worship saints or we worship Mary. And really, it's just, you know, it's people we look up to, it's people that we want to uh, honor and emulate. And I tried to do that in the two years when we were trying for more children. And um, it's just really informed who I am and who I am as a mother uh, through the comfort and the strength that there are women who've done it before. Um, There's women who are doing it now with me and we get to be, you know, saints in the making for our own children. Uh, and it also kind of makes me find comfort to know that Mary probably changed a couple blowouts, which is always real comforting. <laughs> yeah. I love that you called us saints in the making. That was really sweet. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's our children and that's, that's us too. And, um, and her diapers weren't disposable. So like, good no. on her. Yeah. And like mine are compostable, so I feel better. But environments, environments already shot. (laughs) Thank you, Sarah. And um, that's something that I really want us to hold each other accountable for in this in this podcast is to feel safe, always sharing our story and to be completely transparent because that's where God really works is in conversation where there's honesty, transparency, um, and just real life. Um, so I appreciate you sharing the nitty gritty of motherhood and how it's not always easy when people, you know, try years and years and years and it never takes, you know, it's so hard. And, you know, where do you put that? Where do you put, like, am I supposed to be a mother? And what does that mean for my vows? And all, all of these things you go through your head. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that really surprised me about, about becoming a mother is, um, you know, I've studied um, identity formation in my PhD work and in my master's and how like, relationships inform identity formation how we become who we are. So I thought I had myself like really figured out (laughs) until I became a mom. And then I just realized like, I mean, it just informs so much of who you are. And I I don't think I was ready for that shift. I don't think I'm still ready for that shift. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a constant shift. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. All right, Steph, you want to go next? Sure. Well, I am the odd man out here because I'm actually the cradle Catholic. I um, grew up in the Catholic Church, was baptized as an infant, cute little uh, first communion dress, and all through it. I was confirmed at age 17, which was pretty late in my diocese, which was in um, Tampa Bay, where I grew up. They actually made you go to Sunday school all the way through age 17. So um, I was pretty much sure by the time I was sure I had done a lot of diving into 
my friends' youth groups and things like that. But I kind of, I feel like by the time I made the decision for my confirmation at 17, I felt pretty good about the Catholic Church in general. Um, I will say college, I feel like really, especially the, um, so I went to Florida State University for the first few years of college and met the Brothers of Hope, who are a Jesuit brotherhood um, that they stem from um, Rutgers University, um, but they were down there in Tallahassee and they were just great. They, um, I really responded to kind of the Jesuit mentality and then also just really felt like I dove deeper at that time. Like I remember being 19 and really praying just like, Lord, if you're even real, just wash over me and feeling it like probably the most quote unquote charismatic moment of my <laughs> life of feeling like I was actually drowning in that moment. It was a, it was a certainty for me. Like I can tell you that that happened. Like I could tell you that the sky is blue. It was something that just, just affirmed it for me. Um, in my twenties, I did go to a non-denom for a bit, um, worked on their staff and then really got to a point where when they asked me to get baptized, I said, you know, I've already been baptized and really was kind of a moment for me of coming back to true North, as I like to say, I mean, it was really just a, this is what I really believe when I have kids, if I have kids, I want to raise them in the Catholic faith. And this is, this is where it is for me. Um, interestingly, my husband actually is Presbyterian. So we are a mixed couple. <laughs> um, and he, he didn't convert. I'm not pressuring that he has to, um, he can, if he wants to, he does come to mass with me, which is great, but, uh, more interdenominational. So, um, we did baptize our son when he was born. Cause I also, like Sarah's husband felt strongly about raising our kids Catholic. So that was kind of a non-negotiable for me. I love that. I love that um, you guys are interdenominational. Um, and I love that it's also a segue um, because I grew up Presbyterian. <laughs> um, so I am originally from a town called uh, Longwood, Florida. And it's near Orlando, and I grew up in a Presbyterian church. I was very, very active in youth group. I was um, actually um, ordained, is that maybe what they call it, deacon and elder um, of the church. And so I, I would attend committee meetings, and, I, you know, I was like, real, real active. Um, and it was, it was college, um, that I met my husband in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we both were in the music department. And when I found out that he was Catholic, there was so many, like so many, you know, emotions, right? I was like, oh, this is different. This is kind of cool and intriguing and I can, you know, learn more about it. But then it was also like, oh, what do I do? Like, I don't know anything about this. Like, I was taught that, like, this is wrong or, like, this isn't the right way or, you know. So I was I was pretty scared. Um, 
But that's just me as an Enneagram 6. I'm afraid of most things. So, (laughs) Um, but I continued dating him and he brought me to um, a beautiful cathedral in Charlotte. Um, And it was my first mass that I ever attended. And I kid you not, his sermon or his homily, there's my Presbyterian roots coming in. His homily um, was literally fire and brimstone. So hateful, like talking. I think it was about homosexuality. um, And it was just like super intense for my first mass. And I was like, oh my goodness, like I've heard hate speeches or I've heard like bad sermons in the past, but like. This was bad. It was very bad. Um, And so, needless to say, besides that experience, I continued to pursue the Catholic Church um, on breaks from college. I would come home, and I remember um, going to the Catholic Church near my parents' house for the first time and meeting the sweetest nun on the face of this earth. Her name was Alice, and she was so loving and so welcoming to me um, and sat down and talked to me about, like, what it would mean to maybe take some classes and learn more about the Catholic faith um, because I was all about doing this as an independent woman. I wasn't about to convert for a man. Uh, I wasn't about to convert for my husband. So, But that's me. Um, So... I literally, for like, I think three years on and off during break, I would go take RCIA class, start it, and then stop it because I had to go back to school, and then start it, and then stop, and then start it again. So when I finished college, I was like, okay, it's it's time. I feel like really confident in my decision. Um, Matt and I weren't engaged yet at that point, um, but I knew that we were pretty serious and that it was headed that direction. And so I was like, you know, I can see myself growing in faith in the Catholic Church. I kind of saw it as like my new prescription to see to view the world. Um, and I, I really did fall in love with the Catholic faith. Um, so at that point, I, I mostly had support from family. I think there was still like some hesitancy of like, are you sure you're doing this for the right reasons and all of that. Um, and then starting three years later after confirmation, I um, got married and we started having kids, moved back to Charlotte. Um, We now have three amazing boys. Um, We had them all three in Charlotte, and then um, my husband got a job offer in Knoxville, and we relocated to Knoxville this past year um, to raise our boys. And we found an amazing church here. So this is kind of my unexpected feelings of motherhood. And um, 
because I was not raised Catholic, I think that there's still some questions that I have um, about raising my kids in the Catholic church and what that means and, um, you know, how to do it right, <laughs> if there is a, a right way, right? Um, but how to do it in a healthy way and how to do it where I'm nurturing their independence and also um, tradition and all these things that you have to navigate, right? Um, so that was a really, I guess the unexpected piece for me was how much work I would have to do on myself during motherhood and how much introspection and like hard work that I would have to do internally. Like I was like, oh, I can take care of humans like that. I felt always that that was my vocation. I always felt I was meant to take care of kids. Like I was meant to have a family. Um, but I was shocked at the amount of like past experience, traumas, like everything that I had to deal with and overcome um, to be there for my kids. And that's something that I'm still navigating through. Um, but yeah, I mean, this community that we have kind of recultivated with the three of us has been such a light um, and a prayer answered, honestly because I've needed, I've needed the community and that's where, that's where Christ is. Um, and that's where, where hope is. So I'm grateful for, for both of you and grateful for, um, this opportunity to kind of just talk and share our point of view with the world and our husbands. <laughs> that <are listening>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. I am going to stop my rambles. <laughs> Let's go back and just talk about like what's been invaluable to your mental health and like stay sane during. Been the- fired by yet another therapist. So <laughs> no, mental health is so important, and we are all advocates for mental health um, in this circle. So. Um, if you don't have the help that you need, seek it now. And if you don't know how to seek it, find reach out to us or find someone close to you who can help you find it. Because it's can- like therapy is like just good hygiene. Like get yeah. your teeth checked. Um, go see a therapist. One hundred percent. Maybe I'll find one that doesn't tell me I'm fine and I have coping skills. Yeah, I think that is actually the biggest thing that I've found to be invaluable is finding a good therapist and going consistently. Um, And just being able, in therapy, I've learned that, um, what we were talking about earlier, but you can have two opposing thoughts. And, you know, like I said in my high and low, like I, I love my children, but they bug me. And I get really annoyed by them. And I feel guilty for that. <laughs> so, like, I have these two opposing thoughts, but therapy has allowed me to, like, hold those both in tension. 
mm-hmm. both love my child and want to like be away from my child. Yeah. So consistent therapy. Well, and antidepressants also help. Yes, agreed. <laughs> yes. Lexapro was my friend for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, super it's super important. Um because you don't have anyone else who's holding that space for you and you really you need that um especially as someone who's taking the brunt of the nurturing or whatever whatever the brunt you're taking um and it is unfortunately systemic and it's societal um and you kind of accept a certain amount of it but you need the space you deserve the space to talk about it and we can celebrate the progress with also yeah. being like, I mean, is my husband more highly evolved than generations before him? Sure. 100%. <laughs> However, the working load has changed for women to the point that we are earning at the same capacity as our husbands. So where is the balance in work life? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Yeah, there's so many, there's so many fun things and important things that I want to dissect with you guys too about just patriarch and matriarch and all of the things. <laughs> I think we're so, we're such a good group because we all are working moms, but we're all working moms in very different ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. agree. Yeah, and I think that that's really interesting. Yep. There are so many special things about us. I think we're, we're so special. I just, I just love us so much. <laughs> so therapy, yeah, therapy is super invaluable. Can we talk about what surprised me? I, yeah, I feel yeah. like we didn't do any of this. What was unexpected? Something unexpected in your journey so far? I think the biggest unexpected thing I my background before I went into finance was in working with kids and I loved it. I was camp counselor slash director extraordinaire and I taught ages and stages. I can tell you what to expect in every single year phase, what's next. And that was not unexpected. I expect my two-year-old to act exactly as he does as a two-year-old because that's what is supposed to do. I think the unexpected part was how hard it would be to actually become a mom. And that fertility struggle has been the thing that has weighted me down more than anything else in in Catholic motherhood. The idea of just, I could have as many as I want, um, but it not necessarily being the case is probably the thing that that hit me or blindsided me the most. Did y'all struggle with Sammy? Did we what? Struggle with Sammy. Yeah. Well, not terribly. We were seven months after we got married when we had him and started testing just to make sure everything was okay. No treatments or anything, but um, he took seven months, which is longer than usual. And now I've been trying for 14 for a second. 
I would say invaluable to my mental health as a mom, wife, slash working professional. If I could pinpoint anything, I do think that therapy is important, but more than that, it's my mama friends. It's this group right here. I talked to these girls when I was three months a mom and yeah. beyond. I didn't even know what I was doing or what to expect. You were drinking um, beer to help your milk flow. Yeah, and then I couldn't <laughs> breastfeed. It was a whole thing. Now I'm just drinking because motherhood. <laughs> because. <laughs> but honestly, like the the solidarity, the support among women in general in motherhood is the thing that I feel like you can't you can't do without like I could do without even though I don't want to negate the importance of therapy or any of those things like the the girlfriend structure of it and especially the Catholic girlfriend structure has been just invaluable in my journey. Think about Elizabeth and Mary. I mean, they were the first best friends, right? They Are you calling me old again? I already had trauma this week. <laughs> I love that comparison. That's so sweet. It's so true. And Steph, can I tell the story about um, when we first met, what you said your expectations were? Because it really is why we're doing what we're doing. Yes. So <laughs> when we, so the three of us and our dear friend Amanda were four women placed randomly into a small group. But also through divine providence right. and randomness. Yeah. Like the, the best kind of randomness. Excel and divine providence. <laughs> yes, I love it. So we were put placed together in this Bible study and Sarah so graciously led us through a uh, Bible study. Uh, we did some book studies together and I remember Sarah's introduction. She said, really? The only reason I'm here, excuse me, let me back up because I've had too much to drink. <laughs> so I <laughs> I remember the first thing that Steph said in our group was the only reason I'm here is so that I can make girlfriends and we can drink Bloody Marys during our kids' Sunday school class. Yep. And I said, I want to be her friend and I want to drink Bloody Marys with her during Sunday school. And from that moment, that has stuck with me and is the driving force of this podcast for me. That truly is where you know I'm the cradle Catholic is because I drove my parents home when I was 15, 16, 17 (laughs) in Sunday school after their Bloody Mary. It's like that is the ultimate goal of Catholic motherhood is. Yes. I love des- designated driver confirmation class. I love it. But also it's just so perfect. I mean, that's what we all, that's what we all want. Ultimately. It is. It's community. You do not want a Bloody Mary. I, honestly, I don't really enjoy Bloody Mary. Yeah, I don't either. But You haven't had mine. <laughs> 
I but you did make me one. It was very good. I'll say that I would drink yours again. Ten out of ten. <laughs> but it's more of the idea of coming together and being safe and being social with one another and knowing that women of similar mindsets have your back and understand where you are because that's ultimately what we all need. We just need to feel heard. Um, So that being said, I think that's a a very important story for us to tell in the first episode because it's just so why we're doing what we're doing. Um, We would like to ask our listeners if you would think of these three questions um, and Sarah, do you have those three questions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you would read them um, mm-hmm. as a reflection. Yeah. So we'd like for you to think about this week as you journey through your motherhood experience. Maybe you grew up in the Catholic Church and maybe you didn't, but how has that informed your motherhood experience? What surprised you most about motherhood? And what have you found to be most invaluable to your own mental health as a mom, a wife, or a working professional in this journey, this very fun journey of motherhood. Yes. yes. So as you reflect on those questions, um, write to us, comment on our things, um, follow us, all of the things socially. Um, but ultimately, if you need community, we're here. Um, to you know sit with you and have a drink with you and talk about the the fun stuff and the not so fun stuff um so um thank you for listening i'm danielle i'm sarah (laughs) and i'm steph yay